the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. The doctrine of God's providence lances the poisonous infection of discontentment. Ponder providence. It'll help you become more content. As we serve God, knowing this truth and embracing this fact gives the Christian a rock-solid contentment. When times are tough, it's easy to forget about the things we're blessed with, and it can get us wondering about God's goodness. Well, we think you'll be encouraged and refreshed by today's message from Know the Truth. Philip DeCourcy is back in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 to explain how our attitudes can make us rich or poor. In difficult times when jobs and income seem less secure, or when we're struggling with a health issue, it's good practice to reflect on God's providence. Here's Philip DeCourcy. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We've been kind of bouncing off verse 6. Better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. We've been challenging ourselves to find a greater contentment, a greater containment in our relationship with God. And so we tried to identify some mile markers on the road to greater contentment. So far, we've covered anticipate a struggle. Want what you have. Don't crave things you cannot keep. Live in the present, not the future. Stop making comparisons and remember it could be worse. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, here's principle number seven. Here's the seventh mile marker on the road to contentment. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Think about this. Light and darkness cannot coexist. When you flip the switch on your living room, light replaces and displaces darkness. And I believe, in a similar fashion, discontentment and ingratitude cannot exist in the same heart. If you really and truly are thankful for what God has already given you, which is more than you deserve because of your sin— then you cannot be discontent over what God hasn't yet provided. You look at the psalmist in Psalm 103 as he outlines God's goodness. He won't forget God's goodness. He's forgiven his sins. He's redeemed his life from destruction. He's satisfied his mouth with good things. The list goes on. And as the psalmist gets taken up with that, God is praised, which is the right thing to do. But also the psalmist finds himself just forgetting about all those problems in his life. If you read Psalm 103, there is no complaint. There is no issues that the psalmist brings up. He gets 
taken up by God's unrelenting mercy, and he's left with this thought. He really hasn't dealt with us after our sins, has he? He gets caught up in this idea, I have more than I deserve. And that's what expressing thanks does. It's not only a gift to God, it's a gift to us. It kills the ingratitude that sometimes rises up in our hearts because we have a natural inbred tendency to forget God's kindness, God's faithfulness, God's generosity. Develop an attitude of gratitude because it shifts the focus from what's wrong to what's right and it heightens our awareness of God. Here's the eighth mile marker. The eighth mile marker, ponder providence. Ponder providence. Let me suggest something to you as it relates to contentment. When you and I lack proper contentment, it's due in part to the fact that we have ceased to believe that God is God. I guarantee you that. If you scratch beneath the surface of your discontentment and your disquiet, you'll find that your belief in God is being eroded. You're questioning something about God's character, something about God's power, something about God's love. You see, discontentment results from you and I not liking what's happening in our life. And then we struggle to believe that God indeed would order this or even make it part of his plan for us. Because believing that God is God, believing that he's sovereign, believing as we study in Ecclesiastes 3, that to everything there is a season and a time and every purpose under heaven, to believe that leaves you having to accept your circumstances as from the hand of a sovereign, loving God. But if you're willing to believe that God is sovereign, that God is ordering your life according to his providential rule and reign, then that will help you be content in whatever circumstances you're in. Now, remember what we said at the very beginning. That doesn't mean you become passive. It doesn't mean that you necessarily just cave in to the circumstances. If there's a way out that's godly, if there's a path that can take you in another direction, it doesn't lead you outside the will of God, you're free to pursue those things. But you know what? If God has you in a holding pattern, and you're dealing with a particular set of circumstances not to your liking, do you believe it's from the hand of God? That's the key. If your circumstances find you in God, you will find God in your circumstances. I like that. You see, the Christian like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 can embrace the good with the bad, the rough with the smooth, the loss with the gain, because regardless of the circumstances, they know that the God who created all things, controls all things, wisely directs and disposes all things to good ends in relationship to his people. Basically, that's a definition of providence. Providence is made up of two Latin words, providio, to see before. We have a God who sees all things, who orders all things while he sees it. He's not a spectator. We don't believe in the God of deism, removed and unmoved. God's hand is in the thick of things in history, ordering the events to his glory and to the benefit of his people, his church, and his saints. That means, by implication, that there are no disappointments. There are really only appointments. God governs nations. They rise and fall at his behalf. He governs nature. He governs animals as he controlled the ravens to send food to Elijah. 
he even is sovereign over Satan. Satan is God's devil and has to present himself to God in Job to get permission to touch one hair on the head of Job, that perfect godly man. If you and I grasp that, then we believe that whatever is happening in our lives is part and parcel of God's purposes. And while it may not be easy, and you might have to struggle to get to a place of contentment, we've already anticipated that, you can learn to be content because all things work together for good to them that love God. Let me give you an example of this actually in the the letter to the Philippians. Go to chapter 1 and verse 12. Paul's in prison. There's a lot of things going on in his life right now. Here in Rome, while he uh, writes the letter to the Philippians and gives it to Epaphroditus to bring to them. You know, he's just gone through almost losing Epaphroditus. But God was merciful and didn't add sorrow to sorrow. You can read about that in chapter 2. There are those, according to chapter 1, who are cashing in on Paul's imprisonment. Sadly, seems to you have a little bit of self-ambition and ministerial jealousy going on in Rome. And Paul handles that with great class and says, I just rejoice that Christ is being preached. The motive's wrong, but the message is good. Ideally, you want those two things to be married, but there's all sorts of other things going on. But listen to what he says in chapter 1 and verse 12. Speaking of his imprisonment, speaking about all the things that are going on, I want you to know, brethren, and they want to know, right? Because they love this man. What's going on in Rome? Epaphroditus comes back and says, Paul's in prison. Oh, he's in prison. Oh, no. That's going to bind the word of God. He's not going to, you know, it's curtailing, limiting his effectiveness. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually, and this beautiful, turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. We believe that's the Praetorian guard, a special group of soldiers attached to Caesar's house, who had been given custody of Paul, who was under house arrest, according to Acts chapter 28. But as they watch over him, he's got a captive audience, and he's actually winning people to Christ at the very top echelons of Roman power. How cool is that? These things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. The most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I want you to note the word furtherance if you want to write in the margin of your Bible. That's an interesting verb. It's a military term. It speaks of a regiment of soldiers, the kind of spearhead battalion. There's kind of CBs, if that rings a bell with anybody, that go ahead and, you know, build the bridges and remove the obstacles and clear the minefields so that the army can advance. That's the word. Beautiful word. Paul says, hey, I'm in Rome here spearheading another front on the gospel mission. Ponder providence. It'll help you become more content. The doctrine of God's providence lances the poisonous infection of discontentment. To be discontent is to forget that all things serve God and therefore serve us as we serve God. It's a great statement. You may want to write that down. I'll repeat it for you. To be discontent is to forget that all things serve God and therefore serve us in the service of God. 
Therefore, there's no maverick molecule in the entire universe, no unspent moment in all of history as it regards God's rule. Knowing this truth and embracing this fact gives the Christian a rock-solid contentment. Contentment that rests in the wise and loving bestowment of God. We're not just bearing our problems, we're actually using them. That's what providence allows us to do. To anticipate that God's not going to waste our suffering. That everything that God has put us through at this moment has design written all over it. Francis Havergill, the kind of British counterpart to Franny Crosby, they were friends and wrote letters across the Atlantic to one another. She wrote a children's book in 1881 titled Morning Bells that contains some insights on a verse back in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 3, verse 36. All the people took note of this, and it pleased them. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. You can read that. That's the verse. And it speaks of Israel's love for David, king of Israel. Let me read the last phrase of it. Speaking of the people of Israel, 2 Samuel 3, 36, everything the king did pleased them. Now listen to her words. This is good stuff. Do you take notice of what your king does? Does it please you to hear and read of what he has done and is doing? It must be so if he really is your king. But the whatsoever is a little harder, and yet if it is once really learnt, it makes everything easy. For if we learn to be pleased with whatsoever our King Jesus does, nothing can come that's wrong to us. Suppose something comes today which is not quite what you would have liked. Heavy rain, for instance, when you want to go out, recollect your King Jesus has done it, and that will hush the little murmur and make you quite content. Ask him this morning to make you so loving and loyal to him that whatsoever he does all day long may please you because it pleased him to do it. Love that. Write that verse down, 2 Samuel 3.36. Whatever David did, it pleased the people. Here's the last thought. Treasure Christ. Treasure Christ. Paul shows that contentment is found in properly prizing Christ. If you go back to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, we'll read it together, make a couple of comments, and head to a close. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound in everything and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word here, content, is a word that was used by the Stoics. You've heard maybe someone say that, you know, he's, he's stoic in temperament, kind of, you know, flat, unemotional, steady, kind of the, the stiff British upper lip kind of deal, just biting down and gritting your way through something doesn't reveal much, that kind of stoicism. Well, it comes from this. The Stoics of Paul's day were a group of people who believed that the best way to handle life was to be detached from your surroundings and rely on yourself. The Stoic ideal was a kind of self-contained superman who could rise above it all in independent self-sufficiency. A kind of moral man. 
the Stoic was encouraged to be indifferent towards things and independent towards people. Paul takes that word and he puts it through a Copernican revolution. He baptizes it in Christian theology so that it comes to have a Christ-centered meaning. So when Paul says, I'm content, he uses a word that's translated in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, a sufficiency. Listen to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that always having all sufficiency in all things, we may have an abundance for every good work. That's our word there, sufficiency. But this isn't a self-sufficiency, right, that Paul's talking about. Because in verse 13, what does he say? I can do all things. Now, that doesn't mean he can leap off buildings. He can't turn dollar bills into hundred dollar bills. The all things are the all things that God has appointed for him to do. That's within God's will. Whatever God asks us to do, we can do because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That word strengthen is a verb, very strong verb. I think it's only found in this passage in the New Testament. It means that which is poured out. I can do all things through Christ who pours out his strength into me. Do you get how Paul could be content in every situation? Because whatever he lacked in outward comfort, whatever was removed from him, whatever he faced in terms of hardship, you know, He was able to deal with it. Why? Because Christ, Lord of lords and King of kings, was making his strength and his grace available to Paul in abundance so that Paul became sufficient, adequate for that which he was dealing with. What Paul is driving at here is that in union with Christ, The Christian is abundantly resourced by means of God's sufficient grace. I like what John says in John 1 verse 16. Of his fullness have we received grace upon grace upon grace. Listen, the Christian can live anywhere and face anything. Do you believe that? You should. The Christian can live anywhere and face anything because their adequacy and ability does not require the propping up of outward circumstances. They have an artesian well, the living water of the Holy Spirit, John 7, bubbling up, bursting forth that allows them to draw upon God's strength. And it's a well that never runs dry. Therefore, we can be content in whatever circumstance we're in. Christian contentment is a matter then of finding our satisfaction in Christ in every circumstance. It is to look away from self and outward circumstances and to place one's faith and hope upon Christ and that which he has promised. Victory doesn't come by pulling up your own bootstraps. That's stoicism. Victory doesn't come by pulling up your own bootstraps. We don't teach moralism here. That you kind of do good in your strength to please God. The marvel of grace is that God is willing to do through you in his strength what he asks. So we're not asking you to pull up your bootstraps. Paul's asking you to fall upon Christ in dependent prayer 
and expectant faith. Because Christ is enough all of the time. And so whatever a new day brings, the Christian is able to weather its variable conditions through God's abounding, adaptable grace. Listen to this as we finish. Christ for sickness, Christ for health, Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth, Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today, and Christ tomorrow. Christ my life and Christ my light. Christ for morning, noon, and night. Christ when all around gives way. Christ my everlasting stay. Christ my rest. Christ my food. Christ above my highest good. Christ my well-beloved, my friend. Christ my pleasure without end. Christ my Savior. Christ my Lord. Christ my portion. Christ my God. Christ my shepherd, I his sheep. Christ himself my soul will keep. Christ my leader, Christ my peace. Christ has brought my soul release. Christ my righteousness divine. Christ for me, for he is mine. We can do all things through Christ who pours his strength into us. Therefore, we can be content in whatsoever state we find ourselves. Lord, we thank you for this study. We pray that it will indeed draw us along the road to further contentment, to where we become satisfied in Christ alone, that Christ becomes all in all to us. The fullness of the Godhead bodily was to be found in him, and he fills us, and we are complete according to Paul in his letter to the Colossians. Therefore, Lord, help us to detach our dependence upon things, upon fathers, upon mothers, upon friends, upon spouses, upon pastors, as good as all those things are. May we throw ourselves ultimately and finally upon the one who will never leave us and never forsake us. May we find our containment and our contentment in his fullness. May we be grateful for it on a day-to-day basis. For Jesus' sake, amen. Finding our contentment in Jesus Christ. That's the theme of our study today on Know the Truth. It's a message from Philip DeCourcy titled, Only the Lonely. It's possible you've been familiar with God's word, but you've never taken that step to trust God with your life. We hope you'll decide today to turn your burdens over to Jesus Christ and begin your relationship with Him. Naturally, we'd love to help you, so be sure to get in touch today. You'll find our email address online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. At Know the Truth, it's our privilege to bring you daily Bible teaching designed to strengthen your commitment to Christ. But we can't do it without you. Know the Truth is a listener-supported ministry And that's why we need your financial partnership. Make a one-time donation or sign up to become a monthly Truth Ambassador by setting up a reoccurring gift of $25, $50, or even $100. It's easy to give online at ktt.org or call us at 888-644-8811. However you choose to give, Philip has picked out a helpful resource as an expression of thanks. It's a book by Jerry Bridges titled, Trusting God. 
Some say it's easier to obey God than to trust Him, but learn why you can trust God even when life hurts. This new edition of Trusting God now comes with a discussion guide for personal or group use. Ask for the book when you give online at ktt.org or when you call 888-644-8811. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to send you a welcome gift. It's a CD message from Philip titled, Keep Calm and Carry On. Learn to take cover in Christ, trusting God with your present safety and your eternal security. Ask for the free CD online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow when we continue our study in Ecclesiastes. Be sure to join Philip DeCourcy Friday for Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. There are some questions. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.